Welcome to Dish the Dirt, a light-hearted and fun podcast about Australian flower growers, their stories, knowledge and insights into the industry. I'm your host Rebecca and each week I speak to a different farmer and get them to dish the dirt. Dish the Dirt acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we work and live and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. We pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dish the Dirt. I have just recorded this about three times because I can't say a word, so we'll see if I can get there this time. I have had a great week. It's been awesome and busy, so I apologise for not getting my farmer out sooner on Instagram. If you follow that, I hope you've all had a wonderful week too. This week, I am speaking to Sheena from Barola Farm. Barola Farm is located on the lands of the Waramai people, now known as Gloucestershire, (laughs) that's a word I've had trouble with, on the mid-coast of New South Wales. Sheena and Sue are committed to stewarding the land and creating a sustainable, regenerative farm experience so that they can leave the land better than they found it. They want to contribute to the ongoing diversity of the environment and their community in the process. After a year of drought and fires, these long-time vegetable growers this year switched to growing cut flowers and dived deep into the flower farming life. They are testing and learning and falling in love with the flower-filled life that they've started living and the new community that they're part of. It was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much to Sheena for speaking to me. Um, Let's get into it. Hello, how are you going? Yeah, very well. How are you? Good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, Yeah, you sound good um how's your day been uh yeah it's been okay it's mm. been really really hot oh, it really for here today so we were a bit sweaty and not ready for it oh wow that's <laughs> crazy yeah we had a really like hot weekend um but last weekend it was snowing so i mean <laughs> yeah uh, and they say that fun. climate change isn't real <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so whereabouts are you situated? Um, so it depends on the day. <laughs> Half the time we are in Sydney, so just okay. in the suburbs of Sydney. Mm. Uh, and that's where we kind of live and work and the kids go to school. And then yeah. the rest of the time we're up at our farm, which is about three hours north. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So kind of mid-north coast of New South Wales. Yeah. Hmm. And what made you decide to split your time between the farm and Sydney? Like what's the draw of going to the farm for you? Um, well, we've been looking for years and years and years to buy yeah. some land. And about four years ago we found this little piece of land and decided that we would buy it now instead of waiting until we retired uh, and so we could enjoy it and try and pay it off a bit while we're still working uh, and get started, you know, because the best time to plant a fruit tree is yesterday. So we we may as well do it now while we can, uh, while our bodies let us work so hard, you know. Um, 
because the aim was to kind of retire to the country um and and i think we decided that we were old enough to want to start that soon yeah yeah great (laughs) yeah so when you're up there is there you know could you stay on the property or yeah is it do you just travel out for the day no, it's uh, it's got a house. It's got you know garage. It's fully set up. We could live there if we awesome. if we wanted to. Um, yeah, and we do, especially in the last six months. You know, having working from home, um, of course, yeah. I, I've been able to go up and spend a lot more time there. And when the kids weren't at school um, for that second term, uh, we spent quite a bit more time up there. So, uh, yeah, so it's it's fully kitted out. We actually, you know, we rented out on kind of Airbnb as a farm stay. Oh, awesome. So um, it's kind of accommodation as well. So yeah. it's, got, it's got everything. Yeah, great. So what led you to flower farming? Yeah, I've been thinking about how to answer this question. <laughs> um, and I think... Look, it, we've always uh, grown food. Mm. So both uh, my partner Sue and I grew up in the city, but our parents uh, always had vegetable gardens, yeah. whether we rented or owned. And and both of us have had gardens. You know, we bought this um, place in in suburbia, and I'd ordered fruit trees before we'd unpacked the boxes. So, oh wow, yeah. you know, we kind of put a whole orchard in the front yard. We got rid of the lawn and put in um, veggie gardens. And oh, amazing, farm. yeah, yeah. So we've kind of been on that wavelength since. You know, we joined up with a couple of groups who um, are into permaculture and therapeutic horticulture uh, around this area they're called the free rangers they're awesome Um, yeah and and I think we've been doing that for so long when we got the farm we put in you know we put in fruit trees we've got bees Um, we started using some of those kind of permaculture techniques and those regenerative agriculture techniques to manage the water yeah. um, you know putting in cover crops and interplanting and so flowers were always part of our vegetable and fruit scheme yeah and then the last couple of years has gotten so much drier and this summer our dams and our river completely dried up and we couldn't water the garden okay at all we had to buy water in just to drink it so so dry and when we thought how are we going to live sustainably on this piece of land you Mm. know and we thought we need to look at what is thriving in this environment not knowing what the climate's going to do not knowing what's going to change what is currently thriving and what was still growing at the end of summer were the sunflowers oh wow cosmos and as soon as it rained, they went off. You know, there was just, they were everywhere. They were sprouting by themselves. They were growing like wildfire. It was amazing. Oh, and I thought, cool. oh, okay, all right, flowers then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I kind of, you know, started doing a bit of research and kind of fell down this flower hole. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess I just, 
it's, it was so nice to learn something new. You know, we've been growing veggies and fruit for such a long time mm. um, that you kind of know the cycles, you know, what grows when and when to plant things. Um, but flowers, apart from, you know, kind of sunflowers and cosmos, which we never cut, we always leave them in the garden for the bees. Yeah, wonderful. Um, but when I started looking into the cut flowers, it was just this whole world of, of growing that I'd never learnt about before. So yeah. Um, it was it was exciting and you know I kind of <laughs> fell down the the rabbit hole and and got fully immersed in it yeah. um, up in our area in Gloucester there's this fabulous group of people um, who flower farmers and designers florists um, called the Manning Valley Flower Collective wonderful yes I've heard of it yeah and so you know they just kind of welcomed me in even though I was just getting started and just learning and and so I think that whole lure of the community and the people the sharing I thought yep this is it this is the model (laughs) wonderful so what did you when did you start planting flowers was it just this year or has it been before that yeah autumn in earnest yeah in autumn I think I I ordered uh, way too many seeds, way too many different <laughs> things. Um, yeah. yeah, I kind of wanted to try out a little bit of everything in that in that way that, you know, we're still working, we've still got kids in high school, mm. we still have to be in Sydney. So it's really about testing and scaling. So okay. for the next couple of years we've got the opportunity to test what will grow in our climate you know it's really hot in summer it gets super hot and it's quite mm. humid um, and then in winter you know it's re- it's cold we get frosts so the climate's quite interesting it's it's you know it's hard to work with sometimes um yeah. you think it's spring but it's 34 degrees so yeah all those cool flower things I'm like well maybe they're just winter flowers for us I don't know so yeah. I think we're gonna you know we're gonna try and test out as much as possible and see what does thrive in that environment yeah wonderful. Uh, and then when we do finally get our dream of being able to live there uh then we'll be able to scale up yeah, and how do you manage not living there full time, but with growing and sort of all of the upkeep that you have to do, like watering and all of those bits and pieces? Um, is Sue there some of the time, and you're there some of the time, yep. or how does that work? Yeah, we do. Um, we do swap. <laughs> yeah, time. you know, I'm up there, and then you know, she's down here, and then we swap over, and that does happen quite a bit. Um, you know, we try and be as flexible as possible, uh, yeah. and I guess the varieties that we plant have to be resilient. That you know, they okay. have to be able to get by on uh, the rainfall is pretty good. You know, it is it is humid. It is high rainfall in certain parts of the year we'll see what happens this summer um fingers crossed it is as wet as everybody is predicting yeah um but you know we've we've done things like the fruit trees for example when we put our orchard in up there uh we used um berms and swales so that we can try and capture as much of the water as it runs across the landscape yeah, wonderful. Can you just explain what that is to people who might not know? Sure. Yeah. Like myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know what that is. <laughs> so if you imagine a hill, 
Uh, mm. and along uh, the hillside, you kind of dig some trenches and yeah, below the trench you make a little hump and okay. you plant the trees in the hump mm. so they're kind of raised. But then as the water runs down the hill, it goes into the trenches and spreads along the trenches. So instead of just rushing straight down the hill, it's kind of being slowed down and allowed to seep into the ground. Yeah, wonderful. So it's kind okay. of naturally managing the flow of water. You know, you watch how water moves across your property and then you can kind of naturally manage it so that um, it, it slows and spreads in and, and you raise the water table. It makes it just a little bit more sustainable um, than, you know, having to pump water or irrigate. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so, yeah, you planted the trees like that and that's helped you manage the water for when that's you're right. away. Yeah, so the, tree, yeah. the fruit trees all did fine over summer. Um, you know, we didn't water them at all. Uh, any mm. rainfall that, you know, that we get, it kind of gets captured um, and and sucked into the landscape rather than kind of washing off the top. So Yeah, wonderful. Hopefully that's something that will mean that we don't have to be there watering every day. Um, yeah, and and also I guess it just working out which varieties of flowers are going to be able to look after themselves. Yeah, <laughs> and those exactly. are the ones plant a lot more of. Uh, we, yeah, we've done the same with veggies. The garlic goes great; it basically looks after itself for six months um, with the natural rainfall and whenever we're up there. Um, yeah. So those kinds of things. It's really watching the environment and and working with it rather than trying to grow something that's never going to be good like peonies although I did put two peonies in no oh. <laughs> couldn't, <laughs> couldn't help it <laughs> but you know you just you never you know, know what the climate's going to do right it's yeah, you never know. Cross, which is about an hour and a half away from us it's up, okay but um you know it can get cold so I might get lucky yeah yeah, definitely. <laughs> so you said that you were doing some regenerative farming practices and uh, for your flower farm, how are you hoping to manage your land and your farm? Um, yeah, so we, I mean, I guess the intention from the outset uh, is to leave the land that we're stewarding we like to think I don't like the word own owner um but the yeah. that we're stewarding better than we found it so we we want to build the soil up we want to be as organic as possible um you know put keep our inputs on the farm so you know manage our wastes um we've got a septic system we've got we catch our own water um, you know, the intention, we don't have it yet, but the intention is to get kind of off the grid solar. So we want to kind of have a little closed loop homestead where, you know, we manage everything within our kind of borders, as it were. We try not to bring in too many inputs and we try not to send out too many outputs. Yeah, lovely. So in doing that, uh, you um like are you using any chemicals or not at all no. will you be sort of chemical free yeah absolutely yeah okay yeah, yeah wonderful uh, yeah. look I mean as much as possible we try and uh, make our own sprays so mm. I was going to say something about being spray free but 
I do spray a lot of uh, stuff on my plants, but it's, you know, comfrey tea and compost teas and, you know, stuff that we've made, garlic sprays, um, yeah. you know, trying to manage things in a, in a natural way using the stuff that we've got uh, on the farm, you know. So growing yeah. a lot of our own. Um, so in permaculture, you kind of grow layers of things. So growing our own uh, nitrogen fixes and cover crops and growing comfrey under the fruit tree so that we can use that to fertilise, um, so that kind of thing. Yeah, wonderful. And how did you, is that just from your gardening background that you know all of that or did you, have you gleaned that knowledge from somewhere specifically? Uh, I think most of that knowledge is from the the kind of permaculture circles that we've been um, in for the food growing uh, mm-hmm. and food farming stuff. So uh, there's quite a few permaculture groups um, and so you get a lot. Uh, same kind of thing. There's community. Everybody shares information. Um, you know, there's different groups in, in different parts of the country where you can go to meetings and that kind of thing. Um, and I've done a couple of co- courses with uh, Milkwood Permaculture. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I guess yeah. that's how. And I just dive deep into everything. So as soon as I yeah. get hooked on something, I kind of immerse myself (laughs) buy all the books do all the googling watch all the videos yeah so I kind of get get fully immersed into it so who's really hooked you in the flower farming world so far Um, for inspiration oh oh, look I binged all of the sustainable flower podcast uh Mm -hmm. from Canada um who farm in such a an, an environment that I can't even get my head around, you know, those freezing, freezing winters and this very short growing periods. I don't know how they do it. But um, yeah. so the Sustainable Flowers podcast definitely um, got me hooked. And then I think um, probably Swan Cottage. So Zoe, okay. uh, Zoe and Neil, they're on Instagram and, and she puts a lot of videos of grow-alongs and stuff. So when I was starting my uh, all my autumn seeds, so when I got got into it, started planting all my seeds, it was autumn uh, and she had a lot of videos about how to start them and then, you know, you can see what they look like when they first come up and how long it's going to take. And so I got completely uh, immersed in that and so I was sowing all my seeds in the same way. Yeah. And what do you hope to do, I guess, with your summer blooms? Are you hoping to sell to florists or have you thought, I don't know, five steps ahead as to how you will use your flowers? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I was thinking about that, um, you know, what model works will work best for our kind of situation, I guess. I'm going to have more flowers than I can handle in the house I'm already Mm. filling vases full of things and um you know the kids get bedside table vases and uh, I'm sure everyone in the house is already sick of uh, all the flowers in the house but um (laughs) we really love the uh CSA model so that kind of community supported agriculture or you know farm share type model so we might have a subscription uh and you know people pay up front so they're investing in your kind of season as it were and then they get 
you know, regular bouquet. So I kind of put, have put that out there into the universe. We've got our first subscribers. So Yay. Um, I'm excited oh, awesome. about that. It's nice to have yeah. uh, something to work for, I guess, um, you know, rather yeah. than just kind of playing by myself. Uh, so I've got some subscribers. They're going to have a bouquet every month. Uh, whenever the flowers bloom because obviously being my first year really ramping up production I don't know timings exactly or how it's going to work so nice flexible people great model that means that you know I can work with them and they'll get just the best of what I can grow. Yeah wonderful and do you hope that maybe next year You'll have quit your day job and be doing this full time, or do you think that? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, good. Look, I love, I love my day job. Uh, I just yeah. don't want to do it forever. Hopefully, they're not listening. Yeah, I'm sure they're not listening. No, I'm sure. Uh, I my day job's fantastic, um, but I do, you know, we do want to move towards living our farm life in a sustainable way and that means you know obviously we have to uh pay for ourselves so yes I do want to do this um and it would be nice if that was in a year probably yeah I'd probably give it a couple of years I don't want to rush um you know I want to get enough experience and understanding under our belts um and create that kind of community and you know get to know the people and the people in our community. We've got some great markets. I love farmers markets. So I think that's probably also, you know, we've done a few of them before with our local area, um, with our fruit and veg and, you know, Sue makes beer and I make bread and all kinds of bits and pieces. So, you know, that kind of diverse offering of products and um, homegrown stuff uh, yeah, love is it. what we're kind of moving towards. So not specifically just cut flowers, but to enhance our whole um, kind of offering at a market, um, the cut flowers would be a big percentage of that. Yeah, wonderful. So, so far, what have you, I guess I don't want, what has been your biggest learning curve and... Um, what so far has been your biggest achievement? Um, biggest learning curve, everyone says patience, but it's so hard to wait for things. <laughs> um, I ordered our roses, our bare root roses, too early. Okay. Uh, and so we had a bit of a rush to get the garden bed in. Uh, we bought a ton of soil and it was way too alkaline. I planted all the roses anyway. Um, you know, it was just that kind of got to get it done, got to get them in, kind of rushing yeah. to do it. And I think probably half of them have not survived. Mm. So that's a learning curve. Some of them did. Yeah, but some of them have not, and then I've also had to try. You know, I've added a lot more compost and uh, you know worm castings and stuff into the soil to try and balance it out. But it was just, mm. yeah, not rushing. I need to calm down and, and wait. <laughs> uh, you know, I think is that is a lesson that everybody's learning. But 
Uh, yeah. I think it's difficult to uh, be particularly focused. I, you know, I move from one thing to the other too quickly. Oh, story of yeah. my life, yes. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm always <laughs> thinking about something else or the next thing, stubbing my toe. Oh, you know, yeah. that whole slowing down and being mindful and I try and talk myself into it every now and then. Probably yeah. the biggest thing, so. <laughs> it's too boring. <laughs> yeah. Next, something, something, yeah. something shiny over there. Um, yeah, so I do have to try and slow down and and um, and wait for things. Some seedlings take so long. Yeah. So yeah, that's the biggest learning curve. And then I think okay. uh, our biggest achievement. I think probably being brave enough to, yeah, put ourselves out there and, and have subscribers and and yeah. have to deliver, you know, a bouquet kind of every month to these wonderful people who've put their trust in us and already paid us for them um, without even knowing whether I can grow flowers or not. So um, that took some courage and so I was pretty pretty proud of us for doing that. Yeah, fabulous. And how did you do that? How did you put yourself out there? Did you just use Instagram or yeah. do you have a website? Um, I did build a fairly quick website. So I do work in technology. Um, so okay. I did, I built a fairly quick website, but that was just as a landing, I guess, if anyone was searching for us. But I, I used Instagram, I uh, posted on Facebook, we shared it with all our um, kind of already existing community and friends so um yeah. yeah I guess that's how they came about so we've got some subscribers in Gloucester we've got some subscribers down in Sydney um so they're going to be going out kind of all over the place yeah and lovely and if anyone wanted to get in touch with you about perhaps subscribing or um, you know, just having a chat, yeah. how would they do that? What is your website and Instagram? Um, so we're uh, Brawler Farms, which is B-R-O-U-L-A, which means uh, place of trickling water because we're on the Avon River. Um, so it's at Brawler Farm and the website's brawlerfarm.com.au. Lovely. Yeah. Great. And how do you feel about oh, you've said that you really love the community of the flower growing industry but is there something that you're hoping to see happen within the industry or change within the industry if you you know like you haven't been involved for a long time but you must yeah. have you know read about <laughs> the imports and stuff like that I guess. yeah absolutely I think that mm. um I think we're probably uh, a few years behind the Northern Hemisphere in terms of, um, you know, the use of uh, bleaches and dyes and all that kind of fake stuff. Mm. Um, loved dried, love dried flowers, love them. The bleached, yeah. the, you know, the pink things. There's enough colours in nature, I think, that uh, we probably don't need to dye flowers or bleach them. Oh, I'm so glad that you brought this up. That's my head. It's really hard to talk about. Um, but yeah, I just think I think that's unnecessary uh, when there's so much beautiful, kind of joyful stuff in nature. 
um, for us to alter it is mm. is uh, it's human ego, <laughs> yeah. you know, to do those kinds of things. Uh, yeah. So that 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 could definitely uh, shift. I think there's a you know a big trend for those things in some areas at the moment. Um, but it would also mm. be cool and this may already be happening i know there's collectives around the place and and um you know the flower industry australia uh is fantastic that kind of union feeling everybody's in a collective collaboration i love that stuff Mm. um and i think that we you know there's some good models in the um, permaculture and the regenerative agriculture uh, gangs w- that we could probably glean um, some some stuff from. I was talking to Katie from Little Limdock Farm the other night about um, there's a group of farmers that do this uh, or, well, did before COVID, everyone's before COVID, um, that did this, <laughs> you know, they do this thing in winter called the um, deep rent, deep winter agrarians and it's where they kind of all get together because in winter you can take a weekend off farming because everything's a little bit slower and they all get together and have this kind of conference camp type thing you know everyone comes together in a different area each year and someone hosts and they do little farm tours around all the um, different areas they get speakers in they have a big cook up together I think those kind of things would just be uh, really fun and and really cool to do within the flower community I think there's scope for that yeah definitely yeah I've been thinking on that same wavelength recently like once we can travel around Australia I would love to do yeah you know, get communities together I think it's really important I've- and just knowing that you've got, you know, it's not competition no. as such, it's just more community yeah. because everyone can grow things differently and, it's I mean, that, what might work on your farm works completely different I think capacity, for somebody else. The capacity so. in the market for local flowers is, you know, it's, I think there's a huge capacity. I don't think there's competition, even in small areas. I think the more we can work together and pull resources or, you know, where uh, it's this podcast, you know, it's this kind of thing where you can hear people's humanity, you can hear their stories and everyone's doing things a little bit differently but we can all kind of learn from each other. Uh, you know, that's very, that's all very nice but I think it actually works. Yeah. I think this is proving yeah, that it works exactly. because, you know, it is, it's already bringing us all together. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. anyway. And what no, it's lovely. Uh, <laughs> and what would you share with somebody who is perhaps wanting to start out on this journey or is in the same place that you are in at the moment? What would you say to them? Um I well, definitely have a go. Uh watching seeds germinate makes you feel like the most capable person on the planet, like you can do anything if you can get a seed to germinate. <laughs> So that's worth doing just full stop. Uh, and yeah. and seeing the just the joy that people get from flowers, you know, one of my one of my good friends, Sharon, just adores sunflowers. And I had these rogue sunflowers that grew in winter. I didn't plant them. They grew over winter. They just started mm-hmm. blooming. And I brought her a couple and you know, just the face. It, people love 
flowers and so you know if you can grow a couple of flowers or um you know some veggies to share with somebody they you know it improves their life improves their health you know I just think those connections are um are worth doing it yeah so important so important for humanity Tim you know build those connections and I always think that with flowers too, there's always a memory for somebody yeah. attached to all sorts of different flowers, which is lovely. Yeah. So, yeah, if you had to pick a favourite flower, what would it be? Uh, yeah, someone asked me that recently and I said forget-me-nots. And then today I was thinking, well, it might be roses but I haven't got them to grow yet, so maybe I'm still angry at the roses. Um, I love hellebores. Oh, yeah. they're so beautiful, and especially when they're, you know, in a group together. Um, my mum's got a place in the Blue Mountains and just has this amazing kind of almost a field of hellebores, and when you walk up the path and then just see them, oh, amazing, yeah. So I think probably hellebores. At the moment, moment yeah. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. When the yeah. start growing, I might have a different answer for you. We just, my and I just planted uh, 12 dahlias this afternoon. So, oh, yeah. lovely. Um, so if you both had to leave the farm, you know, in the middle of the night or something, um, what three plants or three seeds would you take with you? Okay, so. I have a really emotional answer to this one. Three, I've got three plants that are super special. Um, there's a Daphne that my mum got me uh, because just Daphnes are beautiful. Um, a friend of mine who passed away last year struck a part of her white mulberry tree and that's been growing just beautifully and so I would have to take that because that's irreplaceable. And also I've got... Um, a frankincense bush that's a friend of my a friend of mine's mother um, had this huge frankincense bush and so she took a cutting again and and struck it for me and it it has the most beautiful flowers I'm going to bring them back I'm going to bring them in people are going to not know what they are (laughs) they're amazing yes please do Uh, they're a bit like a stilby the flowers Um, and they're beautiful and the smell is is amazing yeah frankincense yeah i just think of the the wise men (laughs) which is (laughs) totally those are the trees that i would have to take yeah lovely i love that and do you have a favorite tool uh yes it's called a stirrup hoe (laughs) and it's not as as raunchy as it sounds um (laughs) <laughs> it's uh basically so you can stand up and weed between rows of things so it looks like oh, a stirrup cool. on the end of a stick but it's got a really sharp blade yeah. and you just kind of drag it along the uh, top of the soil and it pulls out the weed so you don't have to bend over gnarly i love that um I don't know that the flower farmers have these like insane yeah. tools <laughs> it's like it just makes me, I don't know, have this like image in my head of you all out there with your, I don't know, your spears yeah. and all of this all kind of sharp, stuff. Very sharp. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So is there anything that you really wanted to let people know about your experience in your farm that I haven't asked you about? Anything you wanted to get across? Uh, I just, I love uh, people who can be themselves, I guess. So I would encourage everyone to uh, be themselves in all their weirdness or dirtiness or, you know, their hard work. I love all the people on social media who talk to the camera. I have a really hard time doing that but I'm doing it more because I love it when other people do and you know um, that gives me a lot uh, on a daily basis so I think just you know be nice for people to kind of be themselves uh, and without fear of being judged or worry about what they look like or what their hair's like or how much dirt they've got on their fingernails. (laughs) yeah flower farming is not a um pretty thing is it (laughs) yeah yeah thank you so much to sheena for taking the time to speak to me if you would like to get in touch with sheena and sue at barola farm you can do so via the instagram at Barola Farm or their website at barolafarm.com.au. If you would like to be on Dish the Dirt, you know what to do. Email me at dishthedirtpodcast at gmail.com. We've got a really amazing Christmas special coming out and then I'll be taking a few weeks break over Christmas because I'm going away with the family and I'm sure that you're all busy seeing your families, so no time for podcasting. But after that, we'll be back with a bang. Um, Until next week, keep being blooming fabulous.